Well, good morning, Oakwood. That was actually pretty good uh, tackling form there. Lincoln Riley may want to check that out. Um, there's a number I want, to, want you to remember this morning, five, okay? And why is that significant? I'm going to show you. Because five people signed up last week to get one of our new yes shirts, saying yes. Five. Okay? I think we can do better than that this week. I just want to get that out of the way. In fact, I'm just going to put that right up here on Rusty's little uh, deal here so there'll be a visual for the, for the rest of the service. That's all we're going to say about that because I know you guys are going to go sign up. I just want to caution you. Please don't stampede anybody getting there, okay? Just in a nice, orderly fashion, go out there and, and sign up. You can look at all the different uh, ministry needs that we have. Seriously, through, through this time of COVID, all of our ministry uh, have taken a real hit from our volunteers. Uh, some are still worshiping at home, watching on live today, and we're glad that we have the technology to do that. But we do need to, to help continue to, to staff the rest of our ministry, so... That's all I'm going to say about that. Just remember that number five. And I looked a while ago, there was two that have signed up after the first service. So that's five and two is seven, right? Okay. That's a good start. We're going to leave those up for a while. This is the, the last week in this series that we were doing this kind of a family series. And this is actually the last Sunday before Eric comes back from his sabbatical. It's been eight short weeks, okay? It doesn't seem like it's been that long, but I want to thank you. It has been a great eight weeks, and thank you guys for the support you've given to me and the rest of the staff, and you can tell uh, Eric when you came back, uh, when he comes back next week, man, I'm so glad you're back. Boy, we couldn't have stood another week of listening to Alan again. Just uh, make him feel, feel like he was missed and uh, welcome him. I've had a lot of fun with this series, really have, and uh, we've, got, we've hit a little bit of everybody so far, kids, we, we talked about women, this week we're going to talk about men, and I want you to open up your Bibles, we're going to use the same scripture that we used last week that we're going to use this week for, for our text. So, open up to Ephesians chapter 5, we'll begin with verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to yourselves as to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is a Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husband loves your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body just as Christ does the church. For we are Members of his body, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Then go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Through faith, through all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is there any male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I want to tell you, I, I appreciate all the help that I've been given uh, during the last two weeks on the sermon series. I've had stuff emailed to me, text me, sermon material. Uh, somebody shared with me, and I won't tell you whether it was a man or a woman shared with me, but I, you can probably figure it out. It said, men are like fine wine. It's our job to stomp on them, to keep them in the dark until they mature into something that you would like to have dinner with. <laughs> I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus there. There has been and, and there continues to be kind of a battle, an ongoing battle uh, of the sexes, men versus women. Well, and it's obvious that we clearly frustrate each other sometimes. And there's some unique challenges, men, isn't there, for, for being men. I did some research, and these are actual article titles that you can look on Google, and you can find these article titles that I was doing some research for this. A new study says men are idiots and do stupid things. Another article, why do guys do dumb things? Here's one, 10 stupid things men do to mess up their lives. Studies show that men are more stupid than women. Psychology, I think, has figured it out, though. Their article said, interacting with women makes men stupid. <laughs> Amen to that, huh? <laughs> these, these are actual article titles. I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. Hollywood, though, has portrayed men to be incompetent, lazy, irresponsible, ignorant, just bumbling fools. And the only way any kid ever stands a chance is in life is because they've got a mom, okay? That's the way Hollywood portrays men. You know, nobody ever listens to him. Mom rolls her eyes. The kids, they kind of ignore him. They're kind of like Raymond. You know, everybody loves Raymond, but nobody respects him. That's what Hollywood portrays men out to be. And so there's no wonder that there's a real problem with the way men are men and men become fathers. But sometimes guys do some things that just leave you scratching their head. Uh, and I actually read this stuff this week. There was a guy in, in Illinois that he went and robbed a, or a motorist at gunpoint pretending that he had a gun and had this motorist drive him to two different ATM locations where he proceeded to take money out of his own bank account. I kid you not. Okay, another one in Topeka, Kansas, guy went in and robbed this quick shop, and they opened up the cash 
register. There wasn't very much money in there, so he tied the clerk up, put on his apron, and he worked the counter for three hours till the police showed up to arrest him. A guy in San Diego, well, the police had kind of broke this crime ring, and they were doing the lineup, and they said, okay, we want you to repeat it, this phrase. Give me all your money or I'll shoot. And this one guy goes, but that's not what I said. <laughs> okay, so men do some things sometimes that make you wonder, what are they thinking? But the truth is, the scripture we just read tells us that God loves men and women equally. And they are valued in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ equally. Just as slave and free. Doesn't matter your, your race, your nationality, your language. We're all the same. Willard Harley has a book called His Needs, uh, Her Needs. And he lists the five basic needs of, of men. And I understand there's kids here, so I'm, I'm trying to make this a PG, PG sermon here, but it probably wouldn't surprise you that the number one need that men have is physical fulfillment, okay? Are, are you following me here so I don't have to go into any deeper, okay? Women's number one need is affection. Now, the other needs that men have are, number two, recreational companionship, an attractive spouse, domestic support, and admiration. Now, most of those subjects probably need to be dealt with in a marriage seminar, but I want to give you today four needs that men have that you don't have to go to a marriage seminar to get, okay? Women love marriage seminars. That's one of the big differences that men and women have. Women love marriage seminars. Men, on the other hand, would rather go to the dentist and have two root canals done than sit through a weekend of a marriage seminar, Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you guys that, that pain of that and give you four needs that men have. Number one is men need to be admired. In other words, they need attention. Men love the attention that, that women give them. Now, I love to have Leah tell me when she's amazed when I fix something or I do something that, that I that she's amazed by that. It makes me feel good. And of course, I act like it's no big deal. But let me tell you, men, we, we cherish that type of attention. We, we want that kind of um, admiration. So even men or women, if we don't tell you, we like it. We thrive in that. So wise, I'm letting you in on a little secret this morning. If you will learn to tap into that one little secret that men love attention and they want to be admired, then I don't think you need to worry about your other needs be being met in marriage because if that one need is met, I think all the other needs that you have as a wife will also be met. That's just a little secret I want to, want to tell you. Being appreciated is one of men's most basic needs. You see, men often measure their worth by what they do, what they accomplish. Women often measure their worth by 
who they are. And when women don't get their needs met, they most often are kind of motivated to try to work harder to get the needs met that they, they are not having met. Men, on the other hand, when they don't get that admiration and that, um, you know, that attention that they need, oftentimes they just give up and they quit trying. So that's a big difference between men and women. So without that feeling of being admired, men sometimes just lose energy and they, they lose their will to give. And on the other hand, women, you do not know sometimes how damaging your critical words can be. If you've ever been around a couple where the wife constantly nags and is critical of the husband, she probably is not getting her needs met either. But if she will learn to tap in to give him some attention, some admiration... You'll probably find out that her needs get met as well. When I preach, um, I love to to hear you guys complimenting me and tell me, "Hey, he, he, that was a ten today." So I don't want you to quit doing that, okay? Because that that means a lot. But in spite of anything you guys say, the most important feedback I can get is from my wife. You know, when I come home and I feel like I hit a home run, and she said, well, now actually you struck out. I'm crushed, okay? I'm devastated. But when I come off the pulpit and I feel like, man, I stunk it up today, and, and she says, no, actually it was really pretty good. Then I'm saved from defeat. So she can either crush me or she can save me just by the words. Men love to be admired. They love that attention. When Leah goes with me to referee one of my college games, I love it when she says, you know, you are the sharpest looking referee on the court today. But before we just heap words of meaningless praise, make sure it's genuine, okay? Guys can see through that. Make sure that it's genuine. Men need to be admired. Second need that men have is that they need encouragement. Right now, we live in a broken world. Anybody that works with the public right now knows that the public right now is mean. They're angry. They're frustrated. They're upset. They're uncertain. And this is a crazy time. We've never experienced anything like this, and people are, are literally nuts right now. There was a police officer here this week that had to deal within one shift nine calls of people either talking or, or uh, you know, threatening suicide. And he had to talk these people off the, the edge. If you deal in any kind of a customer service, you know that people are right now on edge. And this type of, a, of an environment right now literally beats up men. Not only is Hollywood beating us up, but the, the world right now is beating us up. And we need encouragement now more than any other time. And so one of the greatest challenges for men is to remain po positive and to remain focused on our role as a spiritual leader in the home. And one of the greatest ways that you can help the men in your life is to, be, to make an, a commitment 
to be an encouragement to them. And in fact, the scriptures say a lot about the use of our words. Because we can use our words in a wise way or an unwise way. We can build up or we can tear down. Listen to what Proverbs says, 12, 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Dries up the bones. Do you understand that literally takes the life out of somebody. This week I, I saw a little toad in our garage that had got in there, I guess had gotten trapped in there, and I thought it was alive, but he was sitting there, and, but he was just dried up. He was lifeless. That's the type of, of dry up bones that the Scripture is talking about that those words can do. Proverbs 18.21 said, A tongue has the power of life, and death. Mark one Twain once said that I can live for two months on a good compliment. Well, most of us can't live two months on one compliment. In fact, most of us need those compliments daily. We need that encouragement. And the words that we speak are like seeds that we plant in other people's lives. And you're either going to plant some seeds that will grow to be flowers or they're going to grow to be weeds. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be around people that encourage my heart, that make me feel good about myself, that build me up rather than tear me down. If I'm around somebody that constantly is tearing me down and, and belittling me, I don't want to be around that person very much. But I love to be around the people that encourage me. Because of this crazy, broken-down world, men especially are being beaten up right now. They don't hear much encouragement. Proverbs 12, 25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word can cheer him up. Maybe your guy has been having a tough day, and just when he gets home, a cheerful, kind word might be just what he needs to hear. Maybe he's dealt with the negative all day long and he doesn't need another negative word spoken to him. He needs something positive and, and cheerful. Let me give everybody kind of a, just a little nugget of gold that they can take with you today, okay? And if you want to write this down, go ahead. Everyone loves to be praised and encouraged. Everyone. Men, women, kids, adults, doesn't matter. We love to be praised and encouraged. Let me give you three specific suggestions that can make you a better encourager. Number one, praise specifically. Find something that they do well. Ladies, tell your guy, I really like it that you keep the lawn mowed and looking so good. Thank you for taking care of the car. You always make me feel secure and safe in our home. You're such a good provider. Find specific ways that you can encourage his heart. Secondly is praise truthfully. Like I said, don't make up stuff. Guys will see right through that. 
Make sure that your praise is genuine. And third thing is praise generously. We're not going to ruin, ladies, listen to this, you're not going to ruin your guy by giving too much praise. It's not going to happen. And when you give all that praise, it's going to come back to you. I promise. Maybe, ladies, you wonder why my husband's not as affectionate or he's not as attentive to me as I need. Maybe you might need to examine the words that you're pouring into his life. If it's constant negative and constant poison, that might have a lot to do with it. Third need men have is men need to have influence. They need to have influence. Now, I'm going to speak almost directly to men right now for a, a couple of moments. But women, you need to understand this too. Men have a great need to feel that they matter, that they're making a difference. In other words, that they have influence. Men need to have influence. Proverbs speaks about influence. Chapter 9, verse 8 says, Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Proverbs eleven twenty five. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Proverbs 13, 1 says, A wise son heeds his father's instruction. Proverbs 16, 28, A perverse man stirs up dissension. You see, every one of us is a person of influence. It doesn't matter what you do for a living, or whether you're a student, or whether you're retired, you are a person of influence. There are people in your life that you influence. I think we would all like to, when we come to the end of our life, feel like that we mattered, that we made a difference. That this world is better because we were able to influence somebody around us. John Maxwell has a book titled Becoming a Person of Influence, and he mentions three specific ways to be a positive influence. He says number one is through modeling. I want you to listen to this. If you're a, a parent, if you're a father, grandfather, the best teaching that you can do is through modeling. More will be caught than taught because people are going to be watching you. And the way we model our life in front of our kids, our grandkids, they're watching and they will catch what you're modeling. Maybe we need to model what we're watching. Maybe we need to model what we're doing. Watch uh, the words that come out of our mouth some of the habits, the hobbies, some of the things that we do. Modeling. Second way is through motivation. And men, we've got to find a way to positively motivate. Now, I think men might deal, struggle with this more than, than women is that we tend to motivate by the negative. What I mean by that is when we use the words like, well, you'll never measure up. You'll never be good enough. Boy, I wish you were as good as your sister. Or I wish 
you made as good a grades as your brother. I wish that you worked as hard as, and we start comparing. Or we'll say, you'll never be good. And we begin to use this way. We think it's going to be kind of reverse psychology that the more negative we are, the more it will encourage and motivate them. I do not know anybody, man or woman or child, that is positive or that is motivated by negative. Positive motivates us. And rather than belittling and, and criticizing, it's a lot better to put your arm around somebody and say, you know, I believe in you. You're a great kid. You're so good at this. I believe in you. I know you can do this. So it doesn't matter if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent. Find ways to positively motivate. Third way is by mentoring. That means you care enough to pour into another person's life. That means investment of your time. And do you realize that your time is one of the greatest investments you can give somebody is when you give them your time. This is where I think as a church we have failed because women do a pretty good job at this for the most part is that ladies get together and they have their Bible studies and they you know, have their little groups and do things. Men, on the other hand, we tend to have failed at this mentoring. We think that great leaders, great husbands and stuff are just going to be born. No, we need to have somebody come along and say, let me kind of help show you the ropes. People that have great marriages ought to be pouring into the lives of other people with great marriages. Marriage mentoring. But it takes some time, and, and mostly we're just selfish with our time, and we just don't have time to invest in anybody else. But the bottom line is this. Every one of us are people of influence. And you're either going to influence people in a positive or a negative way, and it's up to you. Maybe you're a babysitter who can read books to kids. Maybe you're a teacher that will inspire a student to make great grades and to try harder. Maybe you're a coach who can instill confidence in this player, this young athlete, to bring out the very best that they can be. Maybe you're a parent, mom or dad, who's going to instill the values of, of the Bible and, in, and instill in them a, a love for the Lord. Fourth need that men have, and this might be the most important need that men have, is men need a purpose. They need to have a purpose. Now, if I were to ask everybody, what's, what's the number one goal in life? Most people are going to say to be happy. And there's nothing wrong with being happy, okay? There's absolutely nothing wrong with being happy. But it's how we go about getting happiness. Most people look for happiness in one of three ways. Possession, pleasure, or power. Solomon, we did a whole series on him uh, called Better. And he found ways to make himself happy. 
He said, I amassed silver and gold for myself and treasures of kings and provinces. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired, and I refused my heart no pleasure. He said, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And finally, he came to the, the conclusion, he said, I hated life. All of it is meaningless, and it's a chasing after the wind. Is there a better way to live? The Bible says that, that there is a better way to live. Rick Warren had a best-selling book called Purpose Driven Life. Then he followed it up with 40 Days of Purpose. But in that book, Purpose Driven Life, he said that the number one reason we're on this earth is not so that we can be happy ourselves. It's to bring happiness to God, to have a relationship with God. So the number one purpose, men, that we need to have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship. A relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we find that purpose in life, we're going to find out we're not just going through the motions anymore. We're going to find out that we didn't find a religion, but we found a relationship. And ladies, let me speak to you for a moment there are a lot of men that have found their purpose in life because you guys didn't quit maybe you were in a marriage that you thought boy it's just it's a no-win situation but you kept praying you kept taking the kids to church when he was playing golf or fishing you kept praying for him you kept serving him you kept loving him and you ended up influencing his life, and he found his purpose. And his purpose was in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And not only did you affect his eternal destiny, but you affected his life here on this earth because now all of a sudden he became a better father, a better husband. He became a better employee, he became a better friend. Because you helped him find a purpose. Everyone's going to have that defining moment in their life. It might be the birth of a child. It might be the death of a loved one. It might be when you get that news that, boy, I've got this disease. I've got this illness. I got to speak to a guy last week that he was so excited that he was three weeks clean. Three weeks clean off of drugs. And I, I said, well, tell me about that. I said, what changed? What made you decide to get clean? And he said, I died. I said, you what? He said, I died. I said, you mean you almost died? He goes, no, I was dead. They shocked me 16 different times. He goes, they had all but put me in a body bag. They had already talked to my family and said, he's not going to make it. He's gone. But he said, I came back. And I realized I came back for a reason. And I got to share and talk with him that God gave you a gift. What are you going to do with that? You had a defining moment in your life, and now all of a sudden you've been given another chance. You've got a purpose. What are you going to do with it? Don't waste it. Don't squander this opportunity. He had overdosed on heroin and methamphetamine, and he was gone. 
He found a purpose. Matthew 16, 26 says, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Then he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Men, women, kids, maybe you're in a home where there's not much love, not much encouragement. Maybe your needs never get met. I want to tell you, perfect homes don't exist because we're all imperfect people. But Christ somehow takes all of our imperfections and He makes us worthy. But it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been convicted through this series to be a better kid. Maybe uh, you've been convicted to be a better husband or to be a better wife, to be a better Christian. I hope and pray that what we've talked about the last three weeks aren't just words, but that it brings life change. Pray with me. Lord, as we have read scriptures and talked about the, the needs that we have, I thank you that there are basic differences between men and women. But Lord, we're all one. And you have taken all of our ugliness, all of the sin, and you chose to love us in spite of it. Even though we were unworthy, Lord, you made us worthy. And Lord, we thank you for that. And if there's someone here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray this is the day of salvation for them. That this is the day that they place their trust in you. And they have that defining moment. In Jesus' name, amen.